on the cover, a large asteroid floats between two enormous pillars of orange cosmic gas. Hanging onto one side, a ramshackle assortment of buildings are just beginning to rotate into view. Picked out in the gas clouds are the forms of Meridian, holding a high-tech helmet in front of her and staring at her reflection in its blast shield. Plushy, peering over his shoulder towards something just out of frame. And Dame Atlas, a sword held above her head in a perfect ox position. Hindsight Issue 6 Vertex Welcome to the Silver Age! Yay! Woo! Which anniversary is that? Uh, I think roses. I don't know. I'm bad. I don't. I don't know any of this stuff. Silver, <laughs> obviously, it's the, right? A silver anniversary. You get silver. It's named after that. Uh-huh. Thank you. Thank you very much. We're off to a good start. <laughs> we open on a slightly different scene than we would normally see in Apex City because we are in space. Welcome to space. We come through the Pillars of Creation, which are these giant orange and vibrant clouds of stellar gas. It is a huge stellar nursery. And smack dab in the middle of that, we have a tiny, if we're being honest, pretty ugly asymmetric rock kind of floating suspended in the middle of this with what looks to be a colony sort of like just spot welded onto the side of it. Welcome to Vertex 8. This is mostly a mining colony, or at least it used to be. We'll get to what it might actually be uh, in just a second. But we come down the streets and we see three pretty heavily armed figures chasing. Well, Simon, tell us what Meridian looks like. Sure. (laughs) So Meridian is about five feet female-bodied human. She has a leather jacket straight out of uh, Greece with the sleeves rolled up. She is Latina with medium-toned kind of brown skin, dark hair, which is currently obscured by a sweet-looking sci-fi helmet with a big visor. Her right arm has a cool-looking sci-fi bracer with buttons and tubes coming out of it and a uh, glove apparatus over it. And her left arm does not. It just has a cool fingerless glove. She's got kind of extraterrestrially fabriced uh, and patterned shirt underneath the jacket, relatively practical space cargo pants, and then these really weird boots that are uh, very chunky with unnecessary buckles and bits and bobs popping off of them in a garish, like, candy apple red, and a backpack strapped across the leather jacket, which has repulsor-looking things on the bottoms, which is a jetpack of some kind. And the three uh, individuals who are chasing you, you know to be three regular hired goons of a person named Glisten Corona. Corona is a interstellar criminal, and these are three of their assassins. Furligant, who kind of looks like a yeti with six-pack abs uh, and <laughs> like really tight leather pants. He has a laser cutlass and a plasma bolter with which he is firing at you, barreling down the street behind him is a giant purple and green kind of insectoid creature with four arms, the top two of which are razor scythes that it is, like, slashing things out of the way with. This is Holshear and Yilixog. Yilixog is your traditional, uh, like, gray alien, and at the moment is wearing a floral print half-cape board shorts and flip-flops. Yilixog has telekinetic powers. Of course. Meridian, what are you doing at the moment? 
<laughs> uh, running, uh, sprinting, and looking back over her shoulder, ducking and weaving. Uh, she's trying to take advantage of her size to duck through the legs of larger creatures that are walking around, knocks over a cart of space cabbages, vaults over things, like is trying to get distance, and is tapping something into her helmet, like trying to get a comm signal to call out. <laughs> Is anybody on the other line here? I, I could really use a hand. Nice. I would like you to unleash your powers uh, right. to overcome an obstacle. I can do that. Perhaps. So I've got an eight. Okay. You're going to be able to uh, give them the slip, but you can either uh, mark a condition or I will tell you how this is unstable or temporary. I think I'm going to mark a condition. And I'm going to mark insecure. You duck around a big creature and into an alleyway, and they go past you. What we see is that as you are tapping in, uh, who are you trying to call up on your communicator? I'm trying to reach Plushy or Dame Atlas. Now what the readers know, and what these three don't as they are looking for Meridian, is that this whole thing is a setup. So as you are pulling up uh, one of your comrades, we have them in a relatively open area, which we realize on the page is empty uh, of civilians. And at this point, I would like to ask Plushy, how do you take them by surprise? <laughs> Plushy is not the one they would see first. They would see Musketeer first. There's like a tropping sound and like they would turn and there's like a little blur running for them. And then Musketeer uses his little sword and I think he's aiming for the one with the cutlass. And tell us what Musketeer looks like on the page. Musketeer is one of those like classic dolls. It's made out of felt and Swiss stuffing, but it has like the black beady eyes and the little cute or almost creepy smile. He's dressed in a blue tabard, dark red long sleeve shirt, boots, and he has like a little cute little toy sword that you wouldn't suspect would be sharp, but it actually is when it cuts a card in half. Okay, so I would like you to directly engage a threat. Oh no, that's a five. Mark potential. <laughs> and. So Musketeer comes out of nowhere, definitely gets their attention, and as he is kind of leaping at Furlagon, the big yeti takes aim with the plasma bolter and catches him square in the middle of the chest. Now, Plushy, I am going to need you to take a powerful blow here. Oh dear! <laughs> what, what you get? I got an 11! Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you've got some options. So on a 10 plus, you can either uh, remove yourself from the situation, which is flee, pass out, etc. You can lose control of yourself or your powers in a terrible way, or two options from that 7 to 9 list. I'm going to struggle past the pain and lash out verbally. Okay, so you do need to provoke a teammate to foolhardy action. Me, 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 pick me. <laughs> yeah, actually, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to say, where the hell is Captain Propaganda? <laughs> And what action are you trying to provoke them to? I'm just trying to get them to appear and actually do something. Because again, the keyword is foolhardy, right? Like, this is a plan. So how does this become a dumb idea? Or or at least a bad idea? May I make a suggestion? What if Dame Atlas is, like, already in lying in wait for an ambush and has the perfect opportunity set up? And as uh, Plushy barks that, it provokes Dame Atlas to, like, pop up out of the cover, ruining the, the ambush and, like, diving headfirst and, like, oh, well, I'll show you where, you where I am. I like that. I think that works. Third roll. Sorry, Plushy. Uh, we are going to need you to provoke someone. And before we do that, though, what conditions are you marking? Angry. <laughs> Insecure. Okay. And yes, go ahead and provoke someone. So that's plus superior. And that is a... Five. 
Okay. I think, oh, because I still do get to make a move here on a fail. So on a miss, I think the way this works out is not quite how you were intending. When you yell out to Dame Atlas, it gives away her position. And I think Holshear is now turned around and definitely ready for what Dame Atlas is about to do. Speaking of which, Dame Atlas, what are you about to do? Uh, Um, But first off, tell us what you look like. A tall, mostly besuited human woman. I mean, by besuited, I mean besuited with a suit of armor and not what is like a business suit. It's a different kind of suit. Like plate armor, lots of glowing bits, definitely something that is making up for something else. Big shield and a sword. Uh, mostly shorter hair. It's got like a couple of longer locks near the front. And she is seeing that her foe has turned around to see her. She is going to charge directly at them. Uh, so charging at Hullshear, or are you trying to get past the giant insect razor monster? No, I'm going to fight the giant insect razor monster. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> that's, now, that's an honorable fight. Now, before I have you roll to directly engage a threat, because that is definitely what's going on here, you are playing the beacon, uh, which it should be noted means you don't have superpowers as such. No. But you do have drives. Would you let us know what those are? Uh, my drives are to lead the team successfully in battle, to travel to an incredible place or time, earn the respect of a hero I admire, and help a teammate when they need you. I like it. That is fantastic. Uh, so yeah, go ahead and directly engage that threat. And I rolled a five. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I love how uh, how this is going. Yeah, you charge Hulshear and tell us what that looks like on the page. What were you trying to do? I think it was one of those things where I know that I have been seen, so I stand up and size up my opponent, and we'd stare at each other for, I guess, like a panel of just probably from behind the back of the big razor alien, and then just immediately start sprinting towards some shield raised. And as you do, he kind of uh, lifts up those giant razor claws and just brings them straight down onto the shield. Holshear is way, way stronger than you and just smacks you straight into the ground. Your shield hasn't given out, but you feel like maybe something inside you has, so I do need you to take a powerful blow. Yeah, that's fine. I rolled a two. Awesome. You do mark potential as normal, and tell us how you stand strong and weather that blow. So I do think, like, yeah, I have been smashed down into the ground, basically, and you see, like, what should have just been, like, smushed and then broken starts, like, shaking a little bit as it tries to push up and then rolls out of the way. Oh, that is fantastic. Now let's get back to Meridian. So you have ducked down this alley. You can now hear uh, your pursuers are being ambushed. What are you up to at this point? Yeah, I think uh, the panel as, uh, before we got that big splash of Musketeer standing down the codger of aliens, uh, Meridian was trying to radio in like, Hey, they're coming in. They're coming down this alleyway. Get ready. Ducks around the corner and has been like panting and panicking. So we get a like a hot second, like two panels of Meridian looking over her shoulder down the alley and hearing the fighting going on and a thought bubble of like, come on, get up. You can do this. It's just three of them. You got a team this time. It's going to be different. She gets up and comes charging through the alley activates her uh, jetpack, her anti-grav pack, and lifts up so we get a, a splash of her coming around the corner over the crowd 
and she raises her arms in uh, like a boxing position and announces knuckles up uh, and that is the keyword for her uh, repulsor which is called the arm the automated repulsor mo- uh, module to activate so the bracer snaps to life and turns into whatever modular firearm she needs and this time it's going to take the form of a net gun so it pops out big like ratchet and clank style oversized barrel comes out with a like a web loaded in the the front panel um but before she does anything she's gonna yell down yeah you're not so tough when you're picking on only one person huh it's a lot harder to fight people when there's a team when uh when there's a squad behind them why don't you come up and uh chase me down if you're so big and tough she's trying to provoke them to chasing her okay i think that works and i think that is definitely a provoke someone all right survey says that is a 10 as you do that, Furlagant, who is the Yeti with six-pack abs, previously mentioned, turns to kind of, like, look at you over his shoulder. Oh, you've got yourself some little friends, then. How cute. And then, like, waves the cutlass at you. Yelixaw grabs a trash can with uh, with his mind and flings it in your direction. All right. And Tulshir basically switches off of Dame Atlas, and they are now moving in your direction. Can I do something now? Absolutely. What you want to do? I think that plasma bolt like knocked off his connection to Musketeer. So I'm pretty sure Musketeer is just lying on the ground, sadly. But luckily, he has a second construct who you can help out. Draggy. It's um a dragon-shaped plushie, like like tiny wings, oversized body, and it just comes fluttering in. And I think he's going to try and bite the Yeti with the cutlass. Okay. That's a directly engaged somebody. Go for it. That's a five. Okay. The plushy dragon comes down and it does clamp onto Furligant's like arm. And he looks over and kind of like waves it off and then starts looking around the square because they haven't actually seen you so much yet. But at this point, uh, he is getting a little bit concerned that toys keep attacking him. <laughs> and he pulls out of his very, very tight leather Yeti pants uh, what looks to be a little monocle that he puts in one eye and starts scanning around the square. Plushy, where are you actually? And more importantly, what do you look like? Plushy looks like a ninja, to be specific, like the whole thing with hard boots and the hood. It is a riot of color. It looks like someone splashed paint all over this thing. And on top of that, he has a like a messenger satchel, which is where he stores the little toys he attacks with. Curiously enough, though, inside his hood, what you can see of it, his face, his skin is gray, almost translucent. And his eyes, one is a solid white, the other is completely black. And where are you in this square at this moment? Probably crouched up on the top of the roof. Okay, so he looks up towards the top of the roof, definitely spots you, and starts basically bounding up a wall, spider monkey style. Just claws into the wall, and he's coming straight at you. Let's get back around, so I do want... Let's move over to Dame Atlas. It's Benesek, what's up? So after regaining her footing, she's going to actually draw her sword and have it ready and leap to while she's lower try to maybe strike at uh the enemy's legs topple them a little bit are we still uh, attacking holshir here yeah i still think that's a directly engaged threat so let's round two ah a seven on a hit you are going to trade blows and on a seven to nine you get to pick one thing off that list do you want to resist or avoid their blows take something from them create an opportunity for your allies or impress surprise or frighten the opposition i want to create an opportunity for my allies and what opportunity would you like to create? So what is Mer- what was Meridian doing? Um, just so I can get a refresher. Uh, trying to get them to chase her, as I recall. Yep. Actually, you know what? In that case, I want to say I knock it back, knock them back towards whatever, like whatever fire escape or whatever it is that the uh, the Yeti was climbing to maybe knock them off balance and give Plushy a chance to escape. I think that works out. 
Uh, so you managed to catch, you know, Holshear off guard, which he was definitely not expecting being a giant bug monster. Things don't generally knock him off balance, but you knock him into kind of like the wall and it tremors a little bit enough to at least slow down for Legant. I want to go one more back around to Meridian. Yep. What you up to? All right. So she's been like hovering with her legs kind of outstretched, not really flying backwards, but just sort of hold in a holding pattern. And she keys in something on her helmet and turns on uh, the targeting computer. And she's trying to get the best picture of the tactical situation that she can. So she's trying to assess this whole situation before she makes any other moves. Absolutely. I tell you what, go ahead and do it. All right. Uh, so it's roll plus superior. Uh, my superior is plus three. I got a two. So I'm up to five. So I'm going to mark some potential. I do have the sharpened eyes move, which is that even on a miss, I can always ask one of the following questions. What's my best way out, way in or way past? What here would be handy to grab? And who here is susceptible to my words? I'm going to say, I'm going to ask who here is susceptible to my words. Definitely Furlagant is the one that seems to have the most personal stake in this. Cool. The other two are just here on a job. Right. Okay. So with that, Elixog has definitely been throwing trash at you this entire time. Yeah. Um, and kind of catches you in the side of the dome. I am, as the move on that one, just going to have you take a powerful blow as well. Alrighty. Uh, and that's add conditions marked? It is. Okay, so I've got an eight. On a seven to nine, you can either lash out verbally and provoke a teammate to foolhardy action or take advantage of your influence to inflict a condition. You can give ground and your opposition will get an opportunity, or you can struggle past the pain and mark two conditions. This time she's going to struggle past the pain. All right, what are you marking? She's going to mark angry and hopeless. As Elixog catches you in the side of the head with what is basically just a, a big space recycling bin, the panel shifts over because, Dame Atlas, you are not on this rock by yourself. You came here with people, and one of those people is coming down to assist you at this point. We get a panel of a fairly good-looking guy in his early 20s in what is basically a spandex onesie that only comes down to, like, the knee and the elbow. And as he is rushing to your aid, there is a bright white light, and then you can feel the ground tremoring as there is a big multicolored feathered Tyrannosaurus Rex entering this fight. This is Tony Rex Dakota. <laughs> no cowboy hat? <laughs> no, unfortunately. He doesn't pick up the cowboy hat until like the 80s. <laughs> that was part of a whole rebranding thing. <laughs> this is early Tony Rex. <laughs> He's only like in his 20s at this point. He doesn't have kids yet. He doesn't even have the mustache yet. So Tony Rex wades into this and tail slaps Elixog into a wall. And I want to get back around once more to Plushy. What are you doing at this point? When Dame Atlas created that opportunity, I think Plushy would have like left hand reached out like twitching and he's trying to get Musketeer up and doing stuff again. I would like to wield my powers if that's okay. Well, I tell you what, tell me what you're trying to do with Musketeer and we'll go from there. Like I said, his arm goes out, he twitches his fingers, so he's getting musket like musketeer sits up, and then I think he's gonna jump towards the wall and like run along it and then jump off it and go for the Yeti again. Okay. Uh, so I'm I'm not gonna make you roll to like get your base ability back up. So yeah, we see that scene where Plushy is like, you know, kind of willing Musketeer to get back up, and then I would like you to go ahead and directly engage that Yeti. That is a ten. Okay. So third time is the charm. On a ten plus, you get to pick two off of that directly engage a threat list. So what two do you want to pick? What are you doing? Create an opportunity and impress surprise or frighten the opposition. What opportunity are you trying to create for your allies? 
I'm pretty much just trying to distract the enemy, and I have this image in my head of it doing so, but Musketeer suddenly just comes in out of nowhere, and the Yeti's cutlass is suddenly cut in half. Uh, I think I think actually that would count as I take something from them because you're taking away the cutlass. I'm fine with that, and and that that definitely works in that in that situation. And you're trying to impress, surprise, or frighten, and I think that is absolutely surprising. Definitely catches him off balance, and I think he lets go of the wall in, in his attempt to you know avoid this puppet that's trying to cut him. What you did not do was resist or avoid their blows. So as he is falling, I think Furligant grabs your leg and is pulling you down into the square with him. Uh, I'm not going to make you take a powerful blow for that, but you are definitely directly in the thick of this at this point. And at that point, Dame Atlas, what you up to? I would like to catch Plushy. <laughs> okay. I would like you to roll to defend someone. Okay. Or I tell you what, what's the intent here? Is it to have a tender moment or is it to prevent Plushy from falling and hitting the ground? It's definitely the second one, but if it leads into the first one, who's to say? <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's let's still roll that as a, as a defend someone, but we'll see where it goes. All right, so that is a nine. So on a seven to nine, you are going to keep Plushy safe, so you do catch Plushy, but you are also going to either expose yourself to danger or escalate the situation, and while you're thinking about which one of those you want to do, you do get to pick an option. Do you want to add a team to the pool, take influence over Plushy, or clear a condition? Well, I don't have any conditions yet, so I think I will take influence over Plushy. Now, the question for Plushy is, did Dame Atlas already have influence over you? No, Plushy did not like Dame Atlas at all. Oh, well, now you're starting to see her in a slightly different light, as she catches you from falling into this, you know, hard, hard concrete in her very well-armored arms. In a flood of voice, I'm just like, my hero. So, uh, Dame Atlas, do you want to expose yourself to danger or escalate this situation? I definitely want to expose myself to danger, because that is heroic. It definitely is. Uh, so I think the way that's going to work is that as you catch Plushy, uh, Furligant was holding on to Plushy's leg. And as you catch him and like kind of like move him away, uh, the Yeti is now basically chasing after you and going to like grab you by the back of the neck. So, Meridian, how do you respond to that? So, Furligant's the one that's most susceptible to my words, right? That is correct. All right, so I think what happened is the, the space dumpster crunches Meridian uh, in the helmet, and she falls like a stone, but she's in con- it's a controlled fall, but she doesn't want the other people to know that. So there's the reader as like, oh no, <laughs> she's done, <laughs> as she just like sinks, and we get, as the this fight is going on, we jump back to her for a second, where she opens, we see like one eye through the shattered helmet visor, with a determined look, and from the pile of space junk that she's fallen into, she gets up, draws steady aim against uh, Furligant, and says, hey Fido, sit, and Chunk unloads the net gun uh, at him to try and envelop him. Directly engaging a threat there. Yes. Does he underestimate me? I think he absolutely does. In which case, I'm rolling with superior, which is great. So that's a 12. Fantastic. So yeah, net catches him square on, and you get to pick two off of that list. What would you like to do? I'm going to resist or avoid his blows and create an opportunity for my allies. So the net, it's it shoots out. It's not actually a net. I think it shoots like spider web, <laughs> just like a gel substance. So it flies out and wraps around him like a like bolas, sort of, and glues uh, him like his arms to his sides. So either Plushy or Dame Atlas could do whatever it is they want to do, either get away or attack or knock him out or anything like that. 
And I think what happens at that point is you have very much entangled Furligant. The other two, who, as we mentioned, were just here to do a job, right. see this, realize they're outnumbered, and that they're fighting a bunch of weird magic people and some sort of giant feathered monster. And they are hightailing it in opposite directions, because this is not worth the pay at this point. Which leaves the four of you with a captured Furligant, who is struggling against this webbing, and realizing that he has been abandoned. What are you doing? You can put me down now. I gently place you on your feet on the ground. <laughs> Thank you. Of course. Meridian takes off her cracked helmet and shakes out her uh, her hair. It's kind of tied up in a tight bun. She. This is the first time I think we're seeing her, her face this issue, so... Her body, I chose modified. She's got module like nanite uh, makeup, so it she can change her lip color, her blush, her eyeshadow at will. So I think right now she's got like black lip, gold shadow, dark eyeliner, but she's obviously bruised, beaten up. Cracks her neck, looks at Dame Atlas and Plushie, and says, oh, "Well, that wasn't so bad, was it?" I appreciate the save, Lady Meridian. I just give her a look. Well, I don't know, Dame. Uh, I think uh, if I didn't know any better, I'd say you were the one that was doing some of the saving there. Can I get a thought bubble of plushies going like, I am missing a potential shift of work for this. <laughs> I feel like at the very least, this sounds like uh, Meridian is trying to maybe share a triumphant celebration. Uh, that sounds right. So why don't you tell us what that looks like? She kind of shoves past uh, Furligant in the webbing. And she, as she's walking, the arm retracts back into the bracer-glove combo. And she walks up. How tall is Dame Atlas? I want to say in the armor, about like six and a half to seven feet tall. Oh, so she's massive compared. <laughs> Meridian's yeah. like five feet. Yeah. So Meridian walks up uh, with swagger. But we have a, a really great long panel comparing their heights. Like, uh, Meridian's ego definitely reaches to wherever Dame Atlas's actual height is. But she claps Dame Atlas as close to the shoulder as she can and says, Yeah, you know, uh, there's something to be said for uh, Big and Brawny. And uh, Dame, you got that in spades. I appreciate that. Thank you. And you did an excellent job manipulating these two into following you. Or these three, rather. Plus, he's going to go pick up Draghi and Musketeer. <laughs> while, while that's happening, uh, Meridian blushes and says, uh, you, don't, you don't mean that. Of course I do. You're an excellent member of the team. Um, you think so? I mean, I'm, I'm she, just doing... <laughs> she also <laughs> places the hand job, on your shoulder. <laughs> which actually fits. <laughs> as soon as the hand goes on Meridian's shoulder, Meridian, like... Big eye, like anime style, big eyes, like sweat drop <laughs> appears on the forehead and says, well, you know, I was just, I was just doing, doing my job. But, um, if you did really think that, what, um, what would you say, what would you say I did right there? My, my move says, ask them what they admire about you. And she just sort of like pauses for a second. And then she says, you had a great tactical command of the situation. You knew who to go after. And without that, we may have been in a, or I would have been in more of a pickle than I bargained for. Uh, and Meridian says, I, well, thank you. Although um, to be honest with you, uh, and it's clear this is really hard for her. I got ahead of myself. I, I let myself get caught out and I'm sorry. I'm just not used to, I'm just not used to working with other people. You know, this is kind of my first time 
working with a team. So I guess if you really do mean that, that does mean a lot. So mechanically, what I'm trying to do here is the nomad has no influence and does not normally give influence over people, but only gives it by revealing weaknesses or vulnerabilities to people. So I am going to give Dame Atlas influence over me, which means that I have to mark a condition and I get to mark potential. Nice. And what are you marking here? (laughs) I'm in a pretty tight spot here. I'm going to mark guilty. I think that makes sense. Uh, And as this is happening, uh, we see Tony Rex kind of in the background, slowly coming back down to human size. (laughs) And just obviously not getting it quite right, because he's still kind of new at this. So like, half of him gets down to person, but it's like a T-Rex balancing on one leg with half a person sticking out of it. It's not great. (laughs) We can also see around the square a bunch of posters. And these are like very gaudy, carnival-style advertisements. Like huge, larger-than-life carnival like posters and in the middle of all of them you can see this like fist-sized ruby that's got like glowing rays of light coming off of it and all of them have different like slogans and logos on them and the one that we see in this particular panel just says in all caps test your luck and this is what vertex 8 is now known for because it used to be a mining town but not too long ago they dug up a fist-sized ruby that has been hanging suspended in midair No one can move it, and it reads about 50,000 degrees, which is about the heat of the heart of some stars. Nothing around it burns. This has become kind of a tourist trap. People show up, they pay the town a small fee to go and try and move the ruby. No one can. Everyone has a laugh. And that's what Tony Rex and Dame Atlas initially came here for, with, as it turns out, another person who is at this point kind of like slowly clapping and stepping into the uh, the square, this is Adriana de Carvalho, who is Tony's at the moment girlfriend. She basically gives you all a round of applause. That was really impressive. Good <laughs> job. She does go over to help pick up Plushie's toys and uh, return those to him. And she does offer that she can, you know, she can probably patch up Draggy, uh, since it looks like he got a little bit mussed up in this. Musketeer is probably outside of her uh, ability to fix. <laughs> It's okay, I've got this, and I just take Draggy away from her and shove him into my bag. And she gives you kind of a look like, yeah, I I know what that's like. Now, you do still have a webbed-up Yeti who is, at this point, resigned to the fact that he is stuck here until such time as you decide what you're going to do with him. So the question is, what are you going to do with him? Oh, fearless leader, is this where we call the space cops? I will tell you this, there are no cops on Vertex 8. It is entirely owned and run by a company called Rigel Unlimited. Sir Dakota, what do you suggest? Tony kind of looks at the three of you and sort of rubs the back of his head. Uh, you know, this is this is kind of my first my first outing too. And he looks over at Plushy. I was thinking space cops, but you know they don't really have those here. Do and he looks over at Meridian. Are you a space cop? Is that what you are? Meridian, where she she was having a, a rare moment of vulnerability. Um, she snaps back now that we're talking about things she knows about because she is part of a intergalactic bounty hunting squad or was um with other aliens this is her element and she is taking every opportunity to be the cool kid (laughs) so she she immediately snaps back into business mode and like shakes off her her head uh her hair and um 
circles around big old Yeti man uh, and says, oh, that's all right, old timer. Uh, I know you're not from around here, so let me give you the skinny on how we do things out in uh, this section of the verse. I know a couple of guys who will be able to hogtie this guy real good and ship him off to someplace real nice and cozy with four walls and no view. Why don't I get on that? In the background, Plushy has like a thought bubble over his head, and in it, there's a, like a yuck-faced emoji in it, which is a bit <laughs> unusual considering he has a sort of crush on Meridian. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, Meridian's giving everyone finger guns. And at the uh, at the mention of you know a room with four walls and no windows, Furligant kind of like snarls at you. I just came here to do a job. I don't want any of this trouble. I'm a legit freelancer. So why don't we just come to a you, and he's, he definitely doesn't want to make a deal with you, but that's kind of where he's going around to. Yeah. Meridian's going to take advantage of that, because she knows that he's he's kind of susceptible right now. She kneels in front of him and gives him a long, hard squint and says, You dinged up my helmet. You know how many creds that's going to cost me to get fixed? Tell you what, let's work something out here. You don't want to be here. I don't want to be here. Why don't you tell us a little bit about this job, she does finger quotes, and we'll see if we can maybe come to an understanding. You know, I'm not so tough as everyone thinks. Do we really want to be doing this in front of the hero? And I guess you're to Tony Rex Dakota. Uh, Tony at this point is trying to show off for Adriana, so you probably have a moment. <laughs> <laughs> He's big, dumb, and easily distractible. Never mind, continue. Furligot takes a moment, and I think he looks over at your helmet, and then he looks back at you, and he goes... Why don't you take it up with Corona? They're the one that offered me this job, and it was supposed to just be clearing out the corporate armory. And then you came into town, and let me tell you, Corona really has it in for you. <sighs> Meridian lets out a long sigh. Well, you know, I'd like to I'd like to help you out. I mean, I really would. I mean, I don't have anything against you personally, but uh, are you sure there's nothing else going on here? Any, uh... I think for this one, I will need you to, to uh, provoke someone. Sounds right. Ten. So he kind of like bites his lower lip for a second, almost to the point of like drawing blood. Like he is angry that he is in this position. <laughs> Fine. He's here for the ruby. And that's where <laughs> Meridian's eyes go wide. The magic space ruby that nobody else can touch or even, well, they can touch it, but they can't even lift it. And he looks at you and just goes, <laughs> if Glisten wants this ruby. They're going to get it. I'd like to see them try. Fine. They're staying at the Rigel Unlimited Corporate Armory. Like I said, our first job was to clean it out. Full of Glisten's men at this point. Some sort of weird machine brought in from off-world. Why don't you go ask them about it? Maybe I will. Let's see what you think about that. Uh, and they'd better have better security than this uh, dollar store discount bodyguard that they found here and uh, indicates. I'll give you this. You turned the tables on us. Good job. But next time, we'll catch you alone. And then we'll see who's laughing. And uh, I think he is trying to shift your labels, but he does not have influence over you because he doesn't, uh, no one does. That's right. Oh. <laughs> oh. Whoopsie-doo. <laughs> and in the background, Plushy again has another thought bubble saying, hey, are we really going to be walking into a trap? So, so I want to check in right quick. Dame Atlas. Yeah? Have you been doing anything while this has been going on? Or are you just kind of like hanging out? She's mostly trying to put together how she feels about possibly just letting this person go. <laughs> and if like I think they're actually like a threat to anyone, I would probably be against just letting them go. But I don't know what the situation is. 
probably just sort of just standing there trying to be an intimidating presence and trying to understand what's being said. So at this point, Tony has definitely got back down into person form, and he and Hadriana kind of come over to uh, rejoin the rest of them. And uh, he, you know, pulls that poster off the wall and uh, shows it to Dame Atlas. All right, well, uh, now that this problem is solved, I think me and Adriana are going to go check out the local sites. So, uh, and he looks down at Furligant and looks back over at Meridian. Really, are you a space cop? <laughs> <laughs> Buddy, I'm as close as they come. And he, uh, and he sort of nods and gives you a big thumbs up. Cool. Well, then, in your capable hands, and he puts an arm around Adriana, and they start heading down the street. (laughs) (laughs) I think we might follow them just for some funsies. But if we jump to a a transition, then I think the last thing we see before we do like a a white panel is Meridian keying in a comlink on the busted helmet uh, and calling the former crew that she used to run with and says, hey, guys, uh, I need a favor. So as we get that, I do have one question before we panel out of this particular issue. Mm -hmm. You have a couple of options. You know, Tony and Adriana are going to go check out this cool ruby, and you also know that apparently Glisten Corona is setting up some sort of scheme to take it. So the question is, where are you going? (laughs) Dame Atlas wants to try to lift the big rock. (laughs) Plus she is headed back to their sanctuary. I think Meridian wants to see Dame Atlas lift the big rock. Fantastic. Uh, so we see Plushy heading back towards his sanctuary, and Meridian and Dame Atlas are heading along with Tony and Adriana. And with that, we will see you next issue. A New Generation is written for Magpie Games by Brendan Conway. It is made of space, rocks, and space rocks. You don't have to hunt it down across the interstellar void, but you can if you want to. Dame Atlas is played by Cassidy. You can find her and her podcasts and games on Twitter at MadLobotanist. Plushy is played by Crest. You can find him at FantasyCrest on Twitter or Crest on Pillowfort. Meridian is played by Simon Moody. You can find him on Twitter at LuchaLibris. Learn about his LARP at AttawayLARP.com, or listen to more of his performances on the Penumbra podcast. 8 is played by Joel Ruiz. He is the GM of Critical Bits. You can find him on Twitter at CriticalBitCast. Apex City is GM'd by Jeremy, who also writes the music and edits this podcast. Our album art was provided by Fitzsimmons. Find them on Instagram at Fitzonomy. Find us on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, or on your local Rigel Unlimited mining colony. Follow us on Twitter at Apex City Cast. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next issue.